All right. It is so good tonight to have Brother Bradley Boone, pastor of the Concord Baptist Church. Preacher, you come on. Service is yours. You mind the Lord tonight and preach to our hearts. You pray for the man of God as he comes. Well, it's good to be here tonight. Let's open our Bibles to Ezekiel 37. I appreciate these girls singing. I was with them. I've been with them several times now, but I was with them one time at uh, Turkey Cove, and they sung Bring It All to Him 37 times one night. And uh, it got better every time they sung it. Amen. I'll never forget that. Ezekiel chapter number 37, we appreciate you having us in. Everybody just look at me and smile. I like starting a meeting on Thursday night. You know, Monday night, uh, you got to get to know the preacher. Tuesday night, figure out whether or not he believes like you believe. Wednesday night. But it's Thursday night, so we're, by, we're past all that, right? Yeah. We, we skipped all that part. Um, I appreciate your preacher. He's one of our, our Bible college students, star pupil, amen. And uh, we appreciate him. Ezekiel, y'all laughed when I said star pupil. <laughs> you just know him, don't you? No. All right. Ezekiel uh, chapter number 13. You can stand in your seat tonight. We get our reading verse number 1. Ezekiel 37 verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which is full of bones, and caused me to pass by round about, and behold, there are very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I'll cause breath to enter in, and ye shall live. And I'll lay sinews upon you, and bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin. Put breath in you, and ye shall live. Ye shall know that I am the Lord. I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded. As I prophesied, there was a noise. Behold, a, a shaking. And the bones came together. Bone is bone. When I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came uh, up upon them. And the skin covered them above. But there's no breath in them. Then said it to me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, and come from the four winds, O breath, breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bodies are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto thee, Thus saith the Lord God, 
Behold my people, I'll open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I've opened your graves, all my people, and brought you up out of your graves. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you'd help us tonight. God, we're at the place where the flesh would certainly fail us. Unable, Lord, to do anything without your help this evening. And Lord, I don't want to preach without you. And God, these people want to hear from heaven. Lord, they didn't come to hear what I've got to say. And so, Lord, would you help us tonight to be your mouthpiece and speak, Lord, only what you'd have for us to say this evening. God bless and help us only you can, and we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Before I go to preaching tonight, I, I, I made a promise coming up the road. I saw a good friend of mine, his mom's laying in intensive care. She's a dear, dear friend, comes to our church, one of my mission secretaries, and uh, they don't really know if she's going to live or not. And I, I promised my friend Steve that I'd ask that, that the church would help them pray about that situation. And I, I'm afraid I forget once I get to preaching. So I wanted to mention, her name's Helen. Uh, if you take five minutes tonight and ask God to help, uh, I know they'd appreciate it. All right, Ezekiel chapter number 37 tonight. I want us to look together. Uh, we see these verses now. And there's an interesting thing that happens here. Here's what happens. Ezekiel, he's a, he's a strange fellow. Boy, strange don't cover the prophet Ezekiel. If you've ever read his book, you'll agree with me. Uh, Ezekiel one time laid for uh, years on one side of prophesying. He went through a stretch there where he wouldn't talk to anybody unless he was preaching. Another time he shaved his beard off, throwed it in the sky and let the wind blow it. In other words, he would have been what you would have called a very odd preacher. So God gives him a very odd congregation. Takes him out and shows him a valley full of dry bones. Now let me say this before I get into the message tonight. In 2020 and in 2021, maybe you'll agree with me right here. Preacher, I have been preaching to some odd congregations. In 2020, I preached to a parking lot full of cars. I, uh, we got a pretty good system down. If, uh, if they was going to shout, they blowed the horn. They wanted to say amen. They flashed the lights. When they was ready to go home, they turned on the windshield wipers. Amen. Pretty good way. I preached all kinds of, and, and then, you know, we've come inside and the COVID and all those things. And uh, throughout all of that, here's what I've noticed. It seems like, and throw on top of that, a political uh, season that was bad and all of those things. And I've noticed that it seems like there's a lot of people in churches across America that are absolutely shell-shocked. Uh, seem like they've got a uh, deer-in-the-headlight look. They don't know which way's up, which way's sideways. Uh, and I mean things, are, and it's such an odd thing. Uh, seems like during this, uh, somewhat we've lost our testimony, and we've lost our song, uh, and we've lost our zeal for the Lord. Uh, 
And Ezekiel here, he had a strange congregation. So there's a strange preacher preaching to a strange congregation. Now let me let just a little bit of background tonight. And then I'm going to preach. I ain't got but four points. I won't preach long, I promise. And if the Lord don't help us, it won't do no good for us to be here anyhow. Amen. We need to hear from heaven tonight. Let me think about, let's think about this. Ezekiel, he lived a time at uh, he was of the priestly line. He was going to be a priest. Uh, but when he got up of age, God uh, called him to be a prophet. Uh, now, that's, a, that's one mark against him. Uh, being a priest was a pretty easy job. Uh, you just minded what the law said and served in the tabernacle uh, and uh, went about your business. And you were respected in Israel. People liked you. Uh, but the prophets, buddy, nobody liked the prophets. Uh, because the prophets would get a message from God they'd run their bony fingers out in people's face and tell them they wasn't doing right and I don't know if it's this way in this area or not what is this low gap I don't know if it's like this in this area or not but in Burnsville North Carolina people don't like to be told they're doing wrong everybody wants to be bragged on everybody wants to pat on the back nobody wants to be told they're doing wrong but that was the prophet's job uh, Jeremiah or, uh, Ezekiel he was a prophet uh, uh, that told people about their wrongs uh, now he's a contemporary of Jeremiah and he's also a contemporary of Daniel uh, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel they all prophesied to Israel at the same time now you think it's bad being a prophet get this he was a prophet to Israel right after the captivity. I mean, everybody's down. You think Corona's bad, honey. Uh, you just imagine what it was like when them Jews were taken off into Babylon. I mean, their faces are about this long. Now, something interesting happens. Now, stay with me. I've got to tell this story for us to get where we're going, okay? Uh, something interesting happens uh, in Jeremiah chapter number 29 uh, Jeremiah who was the prophet that uh, saw the transition into Babylon he wrote that book uh, Lamentations it's all about them weeping and crying about all the terrible things that had happened to the Israelites uh, and Jeremiah sits down and he writes a letter uh, and he sends the letter to all the captives in Babylon. Now let's pretend just a minute. You're the captives, okay? You've been jumped out of your house and you've been set down in a foreign land. You hear there's a letter from uh, there's a letter from your prophet Jeremiah, the old weeping prophet, been crying over you. You think, hot dog, we're gonna get some good news. But what Jeremiah did was he wrote a letter that said this. He said, Y'all should have done right. You should have followed God, but you're in captivity now, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And he said, what I want you to do is settle down in the land, pray for your captives, because you're going to be there a while. Boy, that ain't what Israel wanted to hear. They wanted to hear that there was a soon deliverance coming. They wanted to hear that something exciting was about to happen. 
But instead, what they heard was Jeremiah say, to settle down, pray for your captives. You're going to be there a while. I'm not a prophet of gloom and doom tonight, but I do want to be honest with you. I believe we've entered into new territory in the United States of America. And I believe that the church may endure some persecution before the rapture. I believe that. I'm going to tell you something tonight. We need to realize that regardless of what happens in Washington, D.C., that God is on the throne. Amen. Nothing has took him off guard. And it does not change our status in heaven. Not what I owe to what anybody does. Amen. But that's the letter. So they're discouraged. They're depressed. They're defeated. Now enter this crazy prophet by the name of Ezekiel. I mean a wild man. Liable to do anything. He comes sliding into town and he starts trying to prophesy and do a little preaching along and trying and, and so God speaks to him and takes him in a vision, takes him in a, by the Spirit out into a valley full of dead bones. And God did a strange thing. He asked Ezekiel a question. He said, can these bones live? Now, for the next three nights, if the Lord will help us, I want to preach on, I want to preach on some questions that demand an answer. And I'm going to preach on some questions that God asks. I've got about 12 of them, but we'll not stay 12 nights, just three nights as the Lord would lead. Questions that God asks. Now, I hear people say this. They say, boy, I'd like to ask God some things. I'd, you know, I'd like to ask God about this or about that. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, with my mission secretary laying, she just 63 years old, and the older, I mean the preacher's talking, the older I get, the younger that seems, and uh, her boys are broken hearted tonight, and I will be honest, she's heavy on my heart, I'm going to try not to talk about it much because it makes me cry, but uh, I got to be honest with you, leaving last night the church, we had prayer with them boys, and I'm riding up the road, and I'm thinking, Lord, I don't understand about this, about why. Maybe you're more spiritual. I've been in a few places in my life where I thought, why did this happen? Why is this happening? How come this to happen? I don't understand. Why? Why? I hear a lot of people say, I'd like to talk and ask God a question. Let me tell you what I've noticed in the Bible. When men converse with God, strange thing, God does most of the question asking. That's strange. Why would God ask a question? Well, it's not to find out. Because He knows everything. So we can establish this right now. When God asks you a question, it's not because He don't know the answer. He knows the answer. Most of the time what I've found is that when God asks a question, it's to search you. God asks Ezekiel a question. He said, I'm ask you something. He shows him all these bones. He said, can these bones live? Now, here's the question. The question really is, is anything so dead that God can't resurrect it? Is anything so far gone that God can't do something about it? That's what God was wanting Ezekiel to, that's what God was wanting Ezekiel to consider, see. 
this nation of Israel, they were in Babylon captivity. They had, they had fallen into idolatry, and that's a whole other story. Uh, just as a sideline, God used, God used captivity to cure Israel of idolatry. They never practiced idolatry after captivity. But anyway, that's another message. They fell into idolatry and all of these things, and they seemed dead. And so God, to, to symbolize Israel, He took a bunch of dead bones. Now I want to say this to you tonight. I want to be as kind as I can. I, 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 I preach in a lot of churches and I see a lot of people and I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of, there's no shortage of dead, dried up Christians uh, sitting on church pews. Sometimes I look at them and I wonder, can these bones live again? I'm going to preach on that in just a little while. God asked the question. I want to ask you that question. Can these bones live again? Let me ask you a question tonight. I know you got a great church and a great pastor. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I pastor a great church, but it ain't what it could be. And it depends on each individual person. Can I ask you something tonight? Can your prayer life live again? Let me ask you something. Can your worship live again? Can your family... See... I see families that at one time were vibrant and they were, they, were, they were interested and they were stirred up and God was stirring their heart. Can that live again? Is there anything so dead that God cannot resurrect it? Is there anything so gone that God can't rescue it? Is there anything so bad that God can't do something bad? Let me stop and say this right here. I've heard people say there's no hope for America. How can I ask you this question? Is America so far gone that the God of heaven couldn't do something about it? If His people would get serious and serve Him and believe His Word, is America so far gone that the God of heaven couldn't turn it around? I've got four things here. Number one, let's look at these people. They're dead. They're dead. God said, can these bones live again? There's the people, they're dead. Now we see that they're plentiful. As I've already said, there's no shortage of dead and decaying Christians. They were parched. The Bible said that they were not just dry, but that they were very dry. Indicating that every bit of the life had been sucked out of them. And then note with me in verse number 7, you know what they were? They were parted. Let me tell you what I've seen the devil try to do to the church, try to do to preachers in 2020 and continues in 2021. It's one thing to have them dead, but the devil's never satisfied. He wants them dead and he wants them parted. He wants to scatter them, see. And so he's worked to that end. Uh, we see the people, they were dead. But then there is a precept here. Uh, God asks the question, uh, can these bones live again? Uh, what would have been your answer if I'd have seen them bones? Uh, I'd have probably said, Lord, there ain't no way. Uh, uh, Lord, that, that's not going to happen. There's no way uh, that these bones uh, can ever live again. Uh, but Ezekiel remembers who he's talking to. Uh, 
and he says God thou knowest what he remembered is that God can do thank God what he can't do somebody say amen and it was an acknowledgement of God doing what only he can do he said God don't look like much hope to me Lord Lord, it don't look like this crowd's dead. Don't look like there's much hope. It seems like everywhere I go, Lord, the, 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 the country's going crazy. Don't seem like much hope. God asked this searching question. He said, is there any hope? Ezekiel said, Lord, you know. Now, would it surprise you that God had a plan to make them bones live again? God had a plan. You know, something I've noticed about the Lord is this, is that the Lord always has a plan. Now, let's look at it tonight. Look with me, if you will, at the preaching. Look at verse number four. The Bible said there again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You know what what God's answer for dead, dry bones was? Preaching. I'm going to say that again because I felt right good. You know what God's answer for old dead, dry bones was? Preaching. I mean, thank God, leather lung, amen, prophesying and preaching. That was God's answer for old dead and dry bones. Not God said they needed. Yeah, I might have said, well, Lord, this crowd needs a scientist. Maybe they can figure out which bone goes with which. Or I'd have said, Lord, maybe this crowd needs an undertaker and a cemetery. I've been in churches sometimes. I felt like that's what they needed. I was waiting for the hearse to back up at the back door and go to loading the deacons. Amen. I felt like they needed a hearse and a cemetery. But you know what God said they needed? God said they need some preaching. You know what America needs? America needs some preaching. I believe that with all my heart and with all my soul. America needs a man that's been with God that'll carry that book and preach the Word of God. And so what God said He's going to do was He's going to send him and them a preacher. Now I want to notice three things right here about Ezekiel's preaching. This is the meat of the message. Number one, I'll note with you that Ezekiel's preaching was disturbing. It's disturbing. And I mean, if you've got a valley full of dead bones, there's going to have to be a little disturbance. You know what we need? We need some preachers that'll disturb things again. I believe Agent Rogers said one time that the problem with modern preachers is that nobody wants to kill them. Amen. I believe that's right. I tell you what we need is some disturbing preaching. Somebody said our preacher steps on her toes. Well, you ought to get out in the parking lot and run about three laps and say glory, hallelujah, we've got a preacher. Somebody said our preacher makes folks angry. Well, you ought to run out and shout the victory and say thank God for a preacher that'll upset folks. Amen. 
I remember I was preaching a while back at the church. I made this statement. I said, there's some of you looking at me and saying, preacher, you're gonna make me mad. I said, would to God I could make you mad. At least that'd be an emotion. Amen. Hey, get mad, get glad, get in or get out. What we need is some disturbing preaching. I'm telling you, we live in a time where we got these little fairy preachers. They don't stand against nothing, little soft words about everything. They're just easy to listen to. They just soothe everybody's feelings. And that's the reason we're in the mess. Come on now. That's the reason we're in the mess that we're in in this country. It's because we've got a lack of leather lung, God sin. Holy Ghost filled preachers. And we need some preaching. Hey, his preaching was disturbing. Every now and again, preaching will disturb you. Something will be said that, that knocks, knocks something over in your soul every now and again. I'm telling you, I, I need preaching. I love preaching. And uh, I, I'm all the time telling my, my friend Todd McKinn, me and him run around together a lot, and he's mean and I'm nice. Amen. Tell him I said so. Now, all the time telling him, I say, you can preach it straighter than I live it, but you won't preach it straighter than I like it. Amen. That's the way I believe. I like good old hard preaching. Preaching ought to disturb us every now and again. Preaching ought to move us. That was the kind of preaching that Ezekiel did. It was disturbing. Sometimes what we need is to realize that it might be us. We get real good. I don't know, I, I don't know very few people here. I don't know how it is up here, but I know how it is where I'm at in the mountains. We're real good at figuring out what everybody else is doing wrong. Is it that way here? You know, our church does everything right. Did y'all know I pastored the perfect church? Lord have mercy, y'all come over there sometime. Everything we do right, we sing all the right songs, and the preacher preaches the right messages. But now that church down the road, let me tell you about that church down the road. That preacher up there, I don't want to say anything about him, but you know. And the people that go there, I don't want to talk about them, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Y'all understand? That's our attitude, isn't it? We're, but sometimes what we need to do is like the little song used to say, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Amen. Sometimes we need to be disturbed in our heart and our soul and say, what if it's me that's holding my church back? What if it's me that's, uh, that's uh, riding the brakes around here? What if it's me that's being a problem? And sometimes God will use a preacher in order to make that movement. Ezekiel's preaching was disturbing. Let me say this to you tonight. Ezekiel's preaching was direct. You know what he did? Oh, ye valley of dry bones. That's pretty direct preaching. And I grew up, <laughs> I grew up with a bunch of, I grew up with a bunch of preachers that did not care. Anybody ever just been around one of them and did not care? You know what he did? He, you know what they'd do? I can remember, I can remember when I was a little boy, some of them preachers would be preaching, a little old kid would be messing around, and he'd say, listen, young lady, let's just sit up here and you're going to have to listen to me. You listen to me. I think, oh my goodness. I ain't never gonna, I ain't even looking at nothing. You know? And I mean, they, they, but they were direct, see? We've watered everything down. And I don't know why I'm preaching this way, but here I am preaching. We've watered everything down in America. 
And we wonder why we're in the mess we're in. We need direct preaching. We need disturbing preaching. But now let me say this tonight. Ezekiel's preaching, it was doctrinal preaching. You know what he said? He said, hear the word of the Lord. He didn't say, hear what Ezekiel thinks or hear what Ezekiel's got to say about it or hear what the scientists say. You know what he said? He said, I've done been with God and I've done heard from heaven and God has sent a word and he begged them and implored them. He said, if you're going to get any life, you're going to have to hear what God has said. Let me say something to you tonight. If we're going to get anywhere this week, we're going to have to open our hearts to what the Lord has said. We're going to have to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord. See, he's preaching. But then note the power. And I'm about done. Look at verse number 7. Look what he said. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together, bone to his bone. Ezekiel did the preaching. Watch this now. God did the stirring. My job, my only job is just preach. My job is just to preach the word. If God don't do the stirring, there won't be no stirring. So the power came from God putting his hand on some old dry bones and he began to stir them. Last night, we had prayer with them boys and stood there with my, my good friend, maybe my best friend. And he was talking about his mama and he said, you know, he said this right here. He said, I'm going to go to some people when this is over that's got problems with their family. And tell them that that ain't nothing that important. They need to make up. Because one day it's too late. Tears running down his face. You know what happened? He was being stirred. God sometimes uses different things in life. And he, he starts to shake and stir. And right here, Ezekiel did some preaching. But the power of God came and the stirring started among the bones. Can I ask you a question tonight, Blue Ridge Baptist Church? Are you willing to hear from heaven and allow the Spirit to go to shaking? Would you be willing to get a little shook up this week? Would you, would you be willing if God did a little something special in your life to move out of your comfort area and do a little something different than watch? In other words, are you willing to get a little shook up by the Lord? You see, after the preaching came, the power came. And that power shook these bones. And revival came. Now watch this. Number one, it shook them. But then secondly, it strengthened them. What do you mean, preacher? Well, the Spirit of God came along and He said, All right, this is a shin bone. It's connected to the knee bone. There's a, there's a leg bone connected to the hip bone, and first thing you know, there's an army of skeletons starting to appear. But where they had been dead and scattered and useless, suddenly they're starting to come together. 
I'm just preaching. I, me, and the, me and the preacher, we ain't talked about nothing. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just preaching. I've been around a few real revivals in my lifetime. I remember one time I hadn't been pastoring long, and we had revival. I mean, God sent revival. It broke out. Strangest thing. This lady called me. She'd been coming to my church about maybe about a year. And she called me and she said, Preacher, I'm not going to be at church Sunday. I thought, well, I thought we was having revival and you ain't going to be at church. I said, why ain't you going to be at church? She said, she's crying. She said, that last church I left, she said, I didn't leave it right, Preacher. And she said, this week I've noted that. She said, I'm going to have to go back down there and mend some fences and do some apologizing. You know what that is? That's revival. That's revival. Starts bringing, hey, starts bringing things together. Uh, starts mending things up. Uh, and so God started shaking. Uh, and then He started strengthening. He started bringing them together. Uh, started mending them together. Uh, and then he, he started to supply them. Here's a, here's a bunch of bones. They just old dead bones. God says, they need a little air right here. He said, watch this. The wind started to blow and all of a sudden them old dead dry bones that anybody that would have seen them would have said, there ain't no way they'd do anything. Anybody drive by this church said, this little church on the side of the road, how can they change the world? Anybody go by my church? I mean, you all live in a, met in a metropolitan area compared to where I'm at. These girls have been there. I'm in the middle of nowhere. You go by my church, you'd say, there ain't no way out here in the boondocks like this. There ain't no way. But you know what? If God to just do a little blowing. All of a sudden, them old dead bones started standing up and they started moving around. And God said, Oh, listen, Ezekiel. He said, Just like these old dead bones was able to find life, he said, I can blow some life into the nation of Israel. And I say to you tonight, just as them old dead bones was able to find life, God can blow some breath into the Blue Ridge Baptist Church. He can blow breath into your family. He can blow breath into your prayer life. He supplied them and he stood them. I tell this story a lot because when God done it, I said, I, I said, Lord, I'm going to tell that. I'm going to tell that. I pastor in a little area. It's uh, kind of in the greater Pensacola metropolitan area. It's down on the lower end of the lower metropolitan area of Pensacola. I live in Escoda, huge population. When my son is home from ETSU, there's five in Escoda. When he's at college, there's four of us. Huge population. I pastor a little old church. We're in a big building now, but when I started, we I pastored, our building wasn't near this big. And... Uh, one Sunday morning, I came in the back of the door, and I'm just going to talk to you just a little bit about how God can breathe. We all right? Come in the back door of the church. And I got about, I got about halfway down the aisle, and this lady come running and met me. Now, I'm a policeman by trade. I don't do that uh, full-time anymore. God just got me so busy, I can't police like I used to. So 
I dropped back to part-time. I worked a little last night, but I don't work a whole lot. I'm a policeman and a fireman. This lady come running to me, and she said, Preacher, did you work that wreck last night? And I said, no, I didn't know there was a wreck. She says, little boy got killed right down here below the church. Little boy got killed. I said, boy, I hate to hear that. Teenage boy is on his way home from the prom. Had a hot rod Mustang. Come around a curve too fast. Lost control. Dropped it off. Overcorrected. Hit a big old uh, sycamore tree. Killed on impact. Maybe 75, 80 miles an hour. I preached that morning, didn't think there was anything about it much. Got in my car and started down the road. When I come around the road right there where that boy had wrecked, there's 75 or 80 teenagers standing in the road. I had to stop. They had to get out of the way for me to go by. And they're just standing there looking at that tree. And they're crying and all upset. And I just kind of went through them looking at them, you know, and waving a little bit and went on my way. I went down the road about a half a mile and I pulled in a place and I turned around. Rachel said, what are you doing? I said, i got to go back. I said, them youngins, I just got to talk to them youngins. So I walked, I pulled up there and I walked in the midst of that crowd and I said, I said, I don't know what to say, but I want you to know that God has a reason that this happened and He has a plan for each one of y'all's lives. And I want you to know that I love you and that the Lord loves you. He's weeping and crying. I got to hugging on them. I got in my truck and drove off. I thought, well, that's the end of that. I'm just telling you how God can breathe. Well, that next weekend, Rachel and I went out for a date night. We were sitting at the fish house and Asheville and my phone rang and it's this little girl that I've known. I had her as a student at the Christian school years ago. She said, where are you at? I said, I'm in Asheville. She said, can you come preach to us? I said, uh, she's, she's probably in her 20s now. I said, where are you at? She said, there's a crowd of us teenagers at the pool, at the shed above the pool. She said, we need God. She said, you come preach to us. I said, yeah. We never even finished our supper. We ran out there and got in the car. Son, I flew home. I walked up into a crowd of teenagers, 75 or 80 teenagers underneath a little old pavilion area. They're crying. Some's praying. A few's singing Amazing Grace. And I got up on a picnic table. And I preached to them teenagers that's gathering around the table and God was doing something. God was doing something. We had a youth meeting scheduled for about two months out. Todd McKinn was coming. I called Todd and I said, you better get on up here. I said, God is doing something. On the Labor Day weekend, that's a terrible day to have a youth meeting. Who has a youth meeting on Labor Day weekend? They nobody home. We had a Labor Day weekend youth meeting Saturday night. My church at that time would set about 130, and there was about 230 teenagers there. The meeting went three weeks. Got to where, <laughs> got to where they'd sit out in the parking lot, and we'd raise the windows. I remember one night, those 23 teenagers got saved. 
And there was literally no, I've still got the picture. I can show it to you. I got a picture of Todd standing on the communion table because it was the only available piece of property. The only available piece of anywhere to stand. We had teenagers in the floor. We had them sitting on the piano bench. We had them sitting on the organ bench. Todd stood on the communion table and preached them teenagers. Them getting saved all over the building. We moved into a bigger building. Big tabernacle building down there where they have camp meeting. One night we had 780 teenagers. We didn't, we didn't ever, we never even advertised it. I never printed no flyers. Just God come by our little church, just like this church. That's what I'm telling you. Just like this church. And went, just in His sovereign will. And when he did, there was some people, a whole community of people that went, and they started coming together. I'm not an ecumenicalist. I don't believe in bringing every denomination. I'm a Baptist through and through, fly my flag, ask your preacher. I'm a Baptist. But I'm telling you, we had free wills. We We had... Southern Baptist, we had, we had the biggest Southern Baptist church in the county, brought their youth group every night in a big old van. Got to where there was no parking, the county gave us buses. The county called me and said, Preacher, how many vans you need tonight to haul them teenagers? I said, I don't know, two maybe. She said, we'll send you three, three drivers. I said, how much will that cost me? She said, not a thing. She said, what God's doing for our county? She said, the least we can do as a county is send you some buses up there to help these teenagers. I'm talking about God. Listen to me now. What we need, what all America needs is for God to breathe again. What we need for, is for God to take a bunch of old dead dry bones sitting on churches, on church pews all across America and through some preaching, some preaching. I, I just go... And just a few go, whew, I think I felt something right there. I believe I'm going to stand up and do a little something here. Through the power of God. Ezekiel, can these bones live again? Lord, Thou knowest. Thou knowest. I don't know. I don't even know how to give an all call after this message. God asked a question. Can these bones live again? You willing to do what it takes? Would you like to see God breathe on your community? Breathe on your families? Breathe on these churches up down these roads? I'm just going to tell you, take it from somebody that's seen a few supernatural things in my lifetime. God's arm is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is His ear heavy that it cannot hear. Let's stand our feet, Father.